in a world which is like digital, which where there's PFPs, there's um, like the pseudonymous economy privilege. Like, what does it mean to be you? All right, welcome to another episode of Cyber Patterns. Today we have Tom White on. Tom and I have been chatting for quite a while about newsletters, about writing, NFTs, etc. He is an awesome dude. He writes a newsletter called White Noise, and he advises startups at On Deck. So Tom and I have a very wide-ranging discussion today, all sorts of books, content, everything in between. So I hope you enjoy. Jason, how are we doing, man? Good. Great to finally connect. Long, long last. Um, but um, I mean, you're now you're now the famous guy on Twitter. You've been killing it, man. It's awesome <laughs> to watch. No, seriously, it's like really, really cool to watch. I'm not being facetious. No, I appreciate it, man. You know, still putting in that work uh, just every day. It never, so. it never ends. I mean, writing is simple. You just sit at a typewriter and bleed, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Just every day. That's that's a grind. Dude, let's let's hop into this. Talk writing. Um, Amazing. Yeah, dude. I didn't realize you were so you were writing at Google. So I did a bunch of different things at Google. Um, I did sales and marketing. I did product strategy. I did some comms work around like responsible AI, um, which I don't know, in this day and age seems to be an oxymoron with DALI and uh, everything like that. And then um, I was working in, in venture capital and startup uh, research and development for emerging frontier markets. Um, so really, really enjoyed my time there, worked with some absolutely incredible, talented, kind, intellectual people. Um, and some of whom are my, my, my very good friends uh, today. Um, if you had told me when I graduated college that I would be as close, if not closer, with individuals at like one of my companies or one of the companies that I worked for, I would have said that you're out of your mind. Absolutely not. But I mean, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction in that way. No, 100%. 100%. Um, so back to, back to writing, white noise. Yes. Why is, it, why is it called white noise? And um, what have you been thinking about recently? What, what do you got on the coming soon? God, how long do you have? <laughs> More a question, what have I not been thinking about? Because I think, I mean, this is, someone told me the other day, uh, my friend Owen, that this is actually not a real phrase, but you know, the Chinese aphorism, may you live in interesting times. Um, that's like actually more of a curse than a benediction. Apparently that's not a real statement. So I've been quoting that to people like nonstop because the past two years have been interesting to say the very least with regards to euphemism, but it's called white noise because my name is Tom White. Uh, my last name uh, is White. Uh, I am literally uh, white, Caucasian, and I make noise. So this is the the noise that I make, both like literally via writing, both with like with tics because I have I have Tourette syndrome. Um, so I think it's a very very apt name because it captures via punny language, which I love. I'm a, I'm a sucker for like rhetorical flourishes. Um, various different um different things so on the docket i'll i have at any given time i have like 30 articles um in uh in production quote unquote for lack of a better term let me just open up the, the things that i've been thinking a lot about as of late are a couple so i have on the docket uh an ode to new york like um, I'm a native New Yorker, you can take uh, the kid out of New York, can't take New York out of the kid. Um, so I'm writing kind of a, 
a love letter slash poem to New York. I have um, an article coming out about, it's called um, working title, it's masks all the way down. I don't know if you know the, like the story of, uh, or there was like a physics professor and was saying, hey, you know, this is gravity, this is the earth. And then someone stood up and was like, professor, you're wrong. It's turtles all the way down. And it became like this famous kind of quote. And that's basically like, what does it mean to be you when you wear so many different masks in so many different situations? Like me at a bachelor party is very different from me, like in this conversation, which is very different from me at, um, I don't know, a family party or, um, you know, playing pickup basketball or something like that. So what does identity mean? when we wear all these masks in different contexts, colors, and situations. Uh, and then to, uh, to, to stop being so verbose, the last one um, that I've been thinking so much about, uh, and my, my writing process is weird. I actually email myself. So I email myself just to capture ideas. So I have a bunch of threads of articles. And the worst part is I have to take it, sift through them, and then like kind of place them on the correct uh, article. So it's less... Um, staring at a blank page and a blinking cursor and it's more hey i've written these things out now i have to put them in the proper order kind of like a patchwork quilt so as to make it sing in some way but that's but i i mentioned that because one of the threads um is is about truth and i think reality now is subjective which is like terrifying because we all live in these different echo chambers so i think because of experts um when the tide going out the vast majority of them not really wearing any shorts um economists with inflation uh and uh you know interest rates um you know doctors and the cdc with regards to covid vaccinations and what have you like i think a lot of individuals um have questioned the faith of institutions so i think the next decade a lot of institutions are going to be in decline a lot of individuals are going to be in ascent and i think online tools like a Substack or a twitter are a powerful mechanism uh and lever for that uh as you can attest uh you're killing it with your uh your follower account and with uh with cyber patterns everyone should subscribe um but what what are the ramifications of a society where capital t truth no longer exists and it's lowercase t truth Mm-hmm. I think that's terrifying. And I think like the, the fourth turning comes to mind. Um, I think it's, it's deeply disturbing when a lot of things I think are breaking right now. I think Josh Wolf of Lux Capital, um, I think he said, I think it was a really cleverly phrased line. It was in Tropic Apex, um, which is to say like, we are at the peak entropy. Uh, it's like Murphy, <laughs> Murphy has come and his law is the law of the land. Um, so that's what I'm, what I'm thinking about. I'm, as you can tell, a big nerd and think about a lot of, a lot of different things. No, that's dope, man. I am, uh, I I've learned to like embrace my nerdiness this year. Like it's really it. paying oh, off, it's, man. It's, it's a badge of honor. I mean, like yeah. I read all the time and I, I enjoy it. And I enjoy talking with people like you because it's the, I think it's, it's not a Longfellow or Whitman. Uh, if you can't tell, I'm a huge quote guy. I have no original thoughts. <laughs> but um, like each man is my superior in some way. And from that, I can learn from him. I mean, I just love to learn from people because people are absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I mean, just in that little conversation, I feel like I got two, one to two <laughs> ideas for essays. Definitely some tweets in there. Like um, 
digital identity like i haven't written about that despite like i i wrote a tweet like you know we all have digital we started digital identities the second we chose usernames but that like right there like repurpose that into an essay like um you know and also I've, like like think about like even the identities that we wear like on a day-to-day -day basis like how you talk to your mom is not how you talk to me which is not how mm -hmm. you talk to your boss right but like take that to the nth degree in a world which is like digital which th where there's pfps there's um like the pseudonymous economy per Balaji. like what does it mean to be you mm -hmm. that is and and like what are the ramifications of having a digital life and uh an in-person life i think the like analogies as of late were like probably second life in world of warcraft but i mean there's a reason why science fiction is more like science fact um ready player one just seems like at the very least the direction in which we're heading um I don't know the idea also not to like just cavort this in a bunch of different ways reality privilege like the vast majority of individuals lives are not great um with regards to living on less than a dollar a day doing menial tasks that they do not enjoy struggling to get by if they're offered per ready player one an oasis why wouldn't individuals take advantage of that why wouldn't they escape because we're already escaping society writ large with drugs, with jewels, well, not anymore in the US at least, um, with like alcohol and all this other stuff. So I um, I don't know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a hell of a time to be alive um, just for those reasons, let alone like geopolitical conflict, um, economic uncertainty, mm -hmm. monkey pox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the podcast I put out this morning with Josh Rosenthal, uh, historian, mm -hmm. venture capital guy, um, he talked about how we're in a renaissance right now and in past renaissances, you know, the same, the first, the same, the last, like uh, there's a lot of chaos going on and that's kind of the symbol that a lot is going on and a lot yeah. is changing. So I think about that entropy apex, I could definitely understand that. And then back to um, uh, that Balaji point, uh, uh, he has this point where it's like declining countries versus ascending countries. I'm sure you yes. Heard, uh, but just thinking about declining institutions and ascending institutions, you know, um, yeah. is something that I haven't thought about, you know, because uh, every business is an institution of some sort, like uh, even a smaller one. So one might be ascending, whereas the New York Times is and Washington Post definitely descending 100%. right now. Um, very I, mean, I, I enjoy reading people like you, Packy McCormick, um, Barry Weiss, Nick DeWilde, Sarah Campbell, like a bunch of folks, much more than I do um, the, the, the articles that are in the New York Times. Because I, again, like this goes back to truth. They're not selling truth, like capital T truth. They're not like doing a deep, I think, honest intellectual exercise, or at least I think the vast majority of them, that's a generalization. But people that are doing it for the sake of intellectual inquiry and exploration and better yet people i can like reach out to and say hey like i don't actually understand this can you walk me through that that's incredible because that begets learning and it's a much more beneficial exercise than i don't know people um writing headlines so as to generate clicks so as to generate rage so as to get virality and get more of those ad, ad dollars in so um i i think a quote that i always come back to by this guy eo wilson is we are a primitive people living with medieval institutions with godlike technology 
Like we're not, we're not wired to deal with this stuff oh. in any way, shape or form. No, we're, we're not. My boy Austin Schlesinger just dropped a thread yesterday about the Lindy effect and he, mm. he's a health focused uh, writer. And so he, he talked a lot about that. And I, I previously wrote an article called airplane mode is Lindy as fuck, because it's so true, man. Like we yeah. are not built for the internet. I'm not built for the dopamine of getting new followers and, and new, new likes and, and all the other distractions on the internet. Like we are yeah. not built for that. <laughs> we are and, built. And to the, like, wild, the wild thing is like, because of neuro plasticity and like neurons that fire together wire together there was a study done a couple years ago i think and like even just having your phone in the same room if it's off if it's not even in sight decreases focus mm. which is insane it just shows like this thing is a digital shackle it's a i mean uh, it's like it's a shackle like made of semiconductors that's what it comes down to um i don't know and again, like technology is great. It's wonderful. It's a double, it's, I mean, it's led to outsized uh, opportunities in my life and others, but I don't know, Jurassic Park comes to mind, right? He's like, you scientists were so obsessed with figuring out if they could, they didn't stop to ask if they should. Um, yeah. I mean, again, another quote, sorry, I, I don't. Shut Dude, up. don't be sorry. The quote, uh, the quote game's on fire. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I mean, growth unchecked is cancer. Like uh, fundamentally we have to, like, we have to uh, step back and say, why the hell are we doing these things? Mm -hmm. I think a lot yeah. of people don't want to do that because a lot of people don't want to think because thinking is hard. Yeah. I, uh, I love the quote. I, I forget who said it, but like the brightest minds of our generation are switching to writing yep. or, you know, writing our, our focus on how to get people yeah. to click more on ads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When, I was, like, when I was at Google, that was the case. I think like the reservoir of untapped talent there is tremendous. I bet. Um, I bet. What's your thought on, I'm writing an essay probably for this week, maybe for <laughs> next, just um, digital public goods. I feel like there's been a huge focus on that this year, especially in web three, but also just like, you know, Twitter's free, man. Like Twitter changed my life. It's free. It's a public good generally. Like we're the product. Yes. We pay with our attention, but it's free. You know, how, how would you define a digital public good? Um, I think that gets hairy with private enterprise, but I, I just don't, I don't understand that concept fully. And I haven't really probably thought about it as much. Yeah. As so I, yeah. Public good, uh, like a physical one would be something like a park or roads or whatever. Yeah. We pay our taxes and, and it's good, but a digital public good, something like Twitter, something like Google that's free to use, um, YouTube, you know, you could learn so much on there, Khan Academy, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, a really interesting thing right now. And, and Web3 has been focusing a lot on that as well. I, whenever I think of public good, I think of the tragedy of the commons. Mm -hmm. Like if everyone owns it, no one does. Mm -hmm. And if no one owns it, no one's going to take care of it. There's a reason why like public spaces get like trashed and what have you. Um, so that immediately comes to mind. And I think... The only thing that's a bulwark against that is like strong community, um, knowing and like talking to your neighbors, um, two things that are very like much in decline in America, at least I would contend. So we move around so much. COVID locked us in our houses for all intents and purposes. Plus um, Robert Putnam's book, like Bowling Alone, like the, the decline in American community has been insane. Um, and I think because of that, both physical and digital 
public goods and public places are like in peril, not like their existence, but rather like what they're, what they're, what good they could do is in peril because no one's going to take care of it. Cause like, I don't care. Like I'm going to use it and like get the hell out. Um, I don't know. It's, I think it's, it's interesting when you have like a company, I mean, it begets the question, like, is it a utility, right? Like that's like the, the logical endpoint, like water and electricity are utilities is mm-hmm. the internet is I mean, that's the question then downstream of that is like, Hey, is Google search is access to this online library of Alexandria, like a common good or a, a right for all people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's a question of like human rights at this point, which is, which is kind of cool where we're entering a, point where human rights is you know uh the internet like potentially you know it's arguable but yeah um, and then then crypto slash web3 ideally but uh yeah yeah 100 another conversation of rabbit hole entirely yeah we could jump into that in a bit um but speaking of community um i know you know kevin eshrick um the man the myth the legend with the cool the jeans man yes sir the jeans man um and so what are you doing on deck right now and and um, you know, what are you guys building there? Totally. So, uh, I'm part-time at on deck right now and I work as an explorer advisor. So what I do is I work with founders at really early stages, like the idea phase, um, or like the MVP phase, or they're just starting to kind of get momentum for their idea, or they think they're, you know, kind of lurching towards product market fit. And my role is really to help them think through like, founder problem fit the trajectory that they want to take and then like once they've like kind of mapped out that trajectory like hey let's like attack product market fit so like making sure they're the right person for this problem ideally they've experienced this problem and it's personal for them because entrepreneurship is I mean one day it's climbing Mount Everest the next is chewing glass it's like just very volatile uh, emotionally Um, and then third once they have that how do they and I think this is so, so, so important. And this is, I, anyone that talks to me, hears me say this, so I forgive me, but a lot of people um, are very good at like the problem and fixing the problem. They're very bad at articulating why they're doing that and why it matters. Mm-hmm. And I think like business, um, as I've said, it's spreadsheets and storytelling. That's what it comes down to. Spreadsheets, like obviously make the trains go and whatnot, but the story, uh, as I've written in like a, past piece um the story separates uber from lyft i mean like fundamentally at the earliest stages they were selling like cheap transportation which mm-hmm. is a commodity yeah but like simple things such as like the mustaches were sitting in the front of the car with lyft as opposed to the back of the car with uber um make make a real difference um and morgan housel um who's an exceptional writer has an incredible like article about this called best story wins. And I think one of the lines that I'll steal from it is like how many products, services, ideas, um, you know, died are kind of limping along because someone couldn't express them clearly either to investors or to potential people that were going to join the company or to customers. I think about that all the time because um, per Justin Khan. First time founders focus on the product. Second time founders focus on the distribution. I mean, you know it. Writing online is the son of a gun. Like, you can put so much effort into an essay, but then since the flippant like tweet or whatever that you just fire off, 
I mean, there's no, there's no proportion between the effort you put in and the, like the, the goods, like the only right you have is to the, is to your labor, not the fruits of your labor. Um, and that's, um, that's, uh, yeah. So I, I think a lot about, about that. The story is absolutely vital. So I try to, I work with a ton of founders, both in on deck, like in a one-on-one, um, consultancy basis, like helping them craft their story, mainly three stories. They're kind of three sides of the same triangle, but you're trying to sell to investors. You're trying to sell the potential customers and last, but certainly not least, you're trying to sell potential people on joining your company because mm-hmm. you can't do it alone. Um, yeah. at least most startups. Dude, I did not understand the product versus distribution thing until a few months ago. My yeah. boy, Austin Schlesinger that I, I had him on my podcast. I asked him like, how do you get your threads to go viral every fucking time? And he told me basically like, you got to like double down on the hours you're spending. And I, so I did, and then hustle for distribution. And I didn't know what he meant. And that's like why I send my threads to like, you know, a bunch of people because of that, the next day after he told me that it goes viral. I was like, Oh, I got to send to, I got to put in the double amount of work and distribute. And I I didn't really fully, fully get how important that was. Like I I thought, um, you know, the build it, you will come. Like if you have a good essay or you have whatever people will come running and want to read your shit. But this book I'm reading right now, nobody wants to read your shit. I just that amazing yeah that book Stephen Pressfield is probably the greatest thing on writing I reread <laughs> there are two books that I reread without fail every year that one nobody wants to read your ship by Stephen Pressfield and then letters to a young poet by um Rilke both exceptional like absolutely exceptional nobody wants to read your shit is such a good book um and I haven't read it yet which is embarrassing but the war of art by mm-hmm. him as well i've heard it is exceptional too yeah yeah i it's pretty good i just got uh, i'm finishing up that right now um it's it's a little more like spiritual kind of uh weird but yeah. not not weird but you know a little more metaphorical um but dude this the the nobody wants to read your shit such an important just mental model that i did not understand like even somebody like you know packy or whoever has like a huge thing like reading is hard. You know, some people just don't want to put in that work. So you have to convince them. You got to sell them with every sentence, you know? Yeah. And not only that, like you're not competing with, I'm not competing with you. You're not competing with Packy. You're competing with TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all the other crap that just hijacks their dopamine. Yeah. Right? That's why, like, that's why I write short sentences. Like keep I, it short. Try, I try to, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it works other times it doesn't, but like, you're not, you're not competing with like like people can get instant gratification and have the neurotransmitters light up, um, you know, like with like a stupid TikTok video or a tweet or whatever, but like an article, again, this goes back to thinking is hard, um, which I, I, I think ironically, I think about a lot, but like, and it's my mesis, right? Like most people don't know what they want. They just want things other because they think it will get them some attribute like respect, love, um, freedom, security, or um, they want things because other people want them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I firmly believe that. Um, I was talking with a friend just before this, um, and I mentioned the M word, like mimetic thought. And he's like, it's literally all I think about now. <laughs> like literally, like after since reading Rene Girard, um, that's all I think about. And it's, it's, it, is, it is a paradigm shifting worldview changing way of seeing things yeah it's like i mean like think about it right like 
if you buy a Lamborghini or BMW, like, I don't know, I'm not a skilled enough driver to like feel the difference between those two cars. Probably it's like different speed and stuff, but I'm not going to be going 170 miles an hour anyway. Um, but why? I mean, you know, if they're fundamentally the same thing, well, I'll, like I am more important than you, more interesting, more cool than you because I have a, a Lambo versus like, a, I don't know, a BMW. It's really, mm. and and then once it's, once you see it, you see it everywhere. It's kind of maddening because, oh, I know why she's doing that. It's because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm also writing an essay right now, choosing your role models uh, off the internet. And when I was younger, I chose terrible role models off the internet. I chose yeah. like Kanye and, and rappers and stuff like that, because I thought that was the epitome of cool. And yeah. then as, as I got older, more into tech and that kind of world, you know, I started choosing technologists, writers, people like that. I remember reading in the ball quote where he said, like growing up, his his heroes were scientists. I was like, you're such a nerd, but that's amazing. Like, yeah. why why was I not like that as a kid? I probably oh, my God, you know, and it's uh, choosing the role models that you want to copy is so important. Uh, something that I figured out this year and something that's helped me so much, you know, 100 percent. It's. I mean, in kayaking, and I'm, I don't pretend to be a kayaker, but I've done it like once or twice. There's this whole concept of look positive, right? Like look at the shoot you're trying to hit. Don't look at the rocks you're trying to avoid because you, if you're looking at them, you will tend towards going in that direction. Um, so I like that with regards to life. Um, it's behavioral contagion. It's having guardrails. It's having a very clear path that you want to follow. Um, that's how I think through these things. Um, and again, life is, life is really simple, but it's not easy. Mm, I mean, great. losing weight, move more and eat less, right? Like it's literally what it comes down to, but it's not easy because I want my bacon, egg and cheese. Like I, I want my like hamburger and stuff. Um, I don't know. And we tend to do a lot of things. I'm guilty of this as, as anything like to complicate it. Um, for ourselves, we tend to do a lot, a lot to do that when fundamentally, uh, all we need, I think is like family, friends, and faith. That's it. Yeah. Everything Big facts. Else is a gift. Big facts. I've definitely been doubling down on that. Excited to spend the next five days. I'm, I'm going down the, the lake, uh, for July 4th with the family and just like going to chill, going to do a lot of writing obviously, yeah. but, but important stuff. Um, what Amen. are you, what are you reading right now? Anything, anything good? this book um the mandibles it's okay. a novel um by this um this person lionel shriver it's called the mandibles a family 2029 to 2047 and it's like a financial 1984 this book was written it's so good i'm almost only halfway through but it's exceptional it was written in 2016 2017 and my god it was prescient um because Basically, it's about this really wealthy family, um, this like kind of patriarch and then a bunch of sons and daughters and stuff. And they're all they all do their own things, have their own lives, kind of get by. But they always rest upon the security, like the mental security, knowing that, hey, like if something goes wrong, I have this huge security blanket because uh, the guy, grand man, uh, grandpa Mandible uh, has this huge fortune. But in a world of funny money in a world of excessive printing in a world of quantitative easing in a world where you know like the dollar like money's a story right money's the greatest story ever told it <laughs> means nothing um but 
and once you kind of see that that also goes into crypto why crypto i think is a sea change or will be a sea change but basically the the thesis is, or the gist of the story is the united states defaults on all its debts um then china russia and some other actors try to create a new reserve currency that's backed by hard goods like commodities like oil and copper and cobalt and stuff like that and the u.s like rejects that um and just starts hoarding gold and it's basically the degradation of society when the financial system uh which is very precarious at the moment just collapses mm -hmm. it is really 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 good and then again i'm not not through it yet but basically this young precocious kid it's his story of how he like <laughs> amidst this crazy environment um tries to like claw back at his family's fortune and, like get a way out um but it's i highly recommend it and like the subtext the subtext uh, on the the front which is really sweet is in god we trusted um it's like if you think about that line obviously the dollar and god we trust but you can't trust the dollar you mm -hmm. really can't trust the dollar um because it's it's symbolic um and it's backed up by you know, oil that we increasingly don't have um and and a lot of other things so I highly recommend it. Um, and then all like the best books. I think I've sent this page to you a couple of times. I sent it to everyone, but like I have a bookshelf on my site, um, tomwhitenoise.com slash bookshelf. And it's like the top 2% of books that I've read throughout mm -hmm. my life. So um, I'm a huge nerd, big reader, insatiably curious. Facts, facts. Same here. Um Where's your head at about crypto NFTs? I know you're collecting. Uh, what are you? Where's your head at right now? Um, I, I think when in doubt, zoom out. Um, I wrote this like recent thing. My the game that I'm playing, candidly, Jason, is I am investing for the long term. I'm not trying to flip. I'm trying to invest in those projects, those protocols, those people, those tokens that I think will persist in like five or 10 years. I'll make a ton of mistakes. Everyone does. I mean, if I have a 50% hit rate, I'll be lucky. But um, I, I think this is necessary. This is good um, because like Sean Purry wrote this and I really liked it, which is uh, like when bad weather arrives, and this has obviously been uh, tough sledding as of late, um, the, the tourists leave and the locals stay. I mean, someone also, I think my friend Nick DeWilde wrote in 2018, I, uh, he's like, I made the mistake of leaving crypto. Hey, I thought it was over. This is fun while it lasted. But like, had you kept your head down and kept building, imagine where you'd be. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I, I fundamentally believe it's a technological sea change because of the, the importance of decentralization and disintermediation. Those are the two big things for me. 100%. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool to be here now. I, I had crypto in 2017, didn't get too involved with the ecosystem. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, kind of wish I did, but uh, having having a fun time now and, you know, just keep on building, um, keep on building for the future. It's it's exciting. Um, it's uh, I feel like the only people having fun in crypto right now are the people actually in it and building and buying like I know my stepdad's all pissed off because he, he owns crypto and all he cares about is up or down. Yeah. Um, you know, he cares about up. the mission, but the people having fun, like, I mean, NFT NYC was a blast. Like we're all having a good time. So it was, it was indeed. I, I was there and um, 
It's pandemonium, but the good kind. Yeah, 100%. Dude, this has been a great combo. I am uh, heading down to Virginia today, so I'm going to try to get on the road. Amazing. Absolutely awesome. I hope this was good and enjoyable. Um, and um, yeah, let me know when it's published, where it's published, and I'll probably link to it in like my newsletter and then like Twitter and LinkedIn, and everything like that. 100%, bro. Let's talk soon. Totally, man. Have a great one. You too.